So, hey, thanks for being with us today in worship. And if this is your first time with us, we've been in this series, and Chad just referenced it, called One Word Prayers. And these are the kind of prayers that um, I think sometimes we pray them and we don't even know we're praying. I mean, we just, our, our heart is so heavy in one direction for someone, something going on in our life, something going on in the life of somebody that we care a great deal about, and we just are talking to God. I mean, we may not even realize what we're doing at the moment. And I'm going to bet that everyone here has prayed today's prayer at least once, but my guess is more. Uh, today our prayer is, as Chad mentioned, please. So, I mean, have you ever asked God for anything? Maybe it was for yourself, or maybe it was for someone else, but you knew that if he didn't somehow intervene, it just, it was not, it, was, it wasn't going to happen. A teenager who's having her fifth open heart surgery. A young mom whose husband left her. A young man fighting cancer. Your dad when he's fighting for his life. A young couple who wants to get pregnant and can't, or, or they get pregnant, but they can't sustain the pregnancy. And maybe none of those are prayers you've prayed. But they're all prayers that I've prayed. And uh, I've asked God, please, please hear what I'm asking you. Please, please look after, the, after what's going on in my life. Please, please look what's going on in someone else's life. And I just want to say this too, and maybe you've experienced, those are never one-off prayers. I, that's never said once and then I walk away from it. If it's someone I care about, if it's something important to me, or someone that's important to me, it's never once. It, it is always an ongoing prayer. And there have been times when I've been on my knees for days w- waiting for something to happen. Sometimes it's been, been weeks, sometimes months. And I wonder if you've been there. And by the way, when we talk about please, and maybe you felt this in your prayers, notice the nearness of the words please and plead. Because that's really what we're doing when we talk to God about this. So what does he say about this? If you have your Bibles, Luke 18 is where we are. This is a story that may be familiar to some, but it may not. Uh, This is one of those teachings of Jesus that maybe you've not heard. Uh, These verses are also in our notes on the YouVersion app, so if you have the Bible app, you can find our notes there. But Luke chapter 18, beginning in verse 1, then Jesus told his disciples a parable. Okay, by the way, pay attention to verse 1. We're going to come back to it real quick in just a moment. He told them a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. He said, in a certain town, there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused. But finally, this judge said to himself, even though I don't fear God and I don't care what people think, because this widow keeps bothering me, I'm going to see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. And the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you that he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? You know, it's interesting. We don't always know why Jesus tells parables. Sometimes he does it to obscure the truth that he's teaching, which is interesting to me. However, in this case, Luke tells us right off the bat why Jesus is... In verse 1, I remember I said, pay attention to this because we're going to come back to it. The purpose of this parable is to show us that... Do you see it in verse 1? 
we should always pray and what? Not give up. And then he tells this story. And there are two main characters in this story that we're introduced to. First, we meet the judge. Verse 2, right off the bat, in a certain time, there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. This guy did not give a hoot about what people thought of him. And as you can imagine, the courtroom in that day was different than what you imagine, uh, because none of us have been in one, right? So it's what we imagine the courtroom uh, to be like today. Warren Wearsby, when he writes about this, says that the courtroom was a tent that would move from place to place as the judge would complete his circuit. Uh, and uh, not everyone could go in. The judge, not the law, set the agenda. Regally, uh, he sat in this tent uh, surrounded by his assistants, and anybody could watch the proceedings, but not just anybody could go in. Only those whose case was to be heard, and the only way to get your case heard was that one of the assistants would take it to the judge. So that usually involved a bribe, uh, so that they would call the judge's attention to the case. So when Jesus said that this judge did not fear God and didn't care what people thought, the disciples were probably thinking, yeah, that sounds about right for the way court cases go. And immediately we meet the next character, a widow who's in great distress. Now, in Jesus' day, women were not highly regarded. Widows especially were of the most vulnerable of people. They didn't have the protection of a husband. Uh, typically, widows were at the bottom of the social ladder. They had zero resources available to them. The word widow in Greek literally means forsaken or left empty. And if that weren't bad enough, the woman in our story apparently didn't have any children because they would have served as her advocates uh, but she had nobody. She was all alone. The only person that we know she had interaction with was this unnamed, uh, undescribed adversary. We really don't know what the, what the issue was. I mean, had he stolen her possessions? Maybe he swindled her out of her inheritance. Maybe he illegally withheld the life insurance policy that she had coming to him. He may have physically harmed her in some way. He may have sexually assaulted her. We have no idea. Nothing tells us what he had done. What we do know is that she needed justice, and she needed it badly, and so she did the only thing she knew to do. She made an appeal, and then she made it again, and then she pressed the point some more until finally she got an answer. This woman was determined to make her distress known until she obtained the justice that she needed. Verse 4 says that, for some time, he was able to ignore her, but, but after a while, he said to himself, my goodness gracious, this lady is wearing me out. And even though I don't fear God, I don't give a hoot about what she thinks about me. She's killing me. Uh, and, and when he says uh, that uh, she, he, he doesn't want her to come attack him, literally the Greek words mean to hit in the face, to beat black and blue, to give a black eye, or to bruise. Now, to be fair, I don't think he was afraid that this lady was going to beat him up. I, I think what he was afraid of, so read it, ruined my reputation. Think, I mean, feisty woman. She keeps asking and asking and finally just for peace and quiet, for crying out loud. I'm just going to give her what she wants. So let me ask you this important question. This is really important when it comes to understanding this story. Does this callous judge represent God in this story? Because I've had people ask me that. Is, is that what God is saying? 
that this is how you have to treat God. You need to wear him down with your praying. So you keep praying until God finally says, for peace and quiet, just to get you people off my back, I will answer your prayers. Was Jesus equating the two? Look at verse 6. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and get it quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? I need you to listen to this. <laughs> it's really important because if you don't catch this, you're going to misunderstand the this, this story Jesus is telling. The point of this parable is not to compare, not to compare God to the unjust judge. The point is to contrast God with the unjust judge. It's not their similarities that we're supposed to be focusing on. It's their differences. God is not like the unjust judge. God cares about people. Jesus is saying, if a heartless judge will eventually relent and do the right thing, how much more can we depend on God to do the right thing and to answer our prayers because he's too good to ignore our requests? He's, he, he's quick to answer, though it may not be in the time that we hope, nor may it be in the way that we had hoped that he would. I don't know, maybe you remember the story. I love the story of the woman who locked her keys in her car. She's busy downtown sidewalk, and she went into the clothing store. She talked to a sales clerk who gave her a, a, a coat hanger, a metal coat hanger. She went back, but he was busy, so he went back to waiting on his customers. She goes out to her car with a coat hanger and has no idea what to do with it, so she just bows her head, leans up against her car, and she prays. About that time, rough-looking guy in coveralls comes along, notices the trouble, offers to help. She hands him the coat hanger, and he takes it, and he quickly fashions it into a hook, slips it into the partially opened window, and unlocks her door. And she says, oh, I can't believe this. You're such a good person. You must be a Christian. And he said, you, no. No, listen, I'm not a Christian. I'm really not even a good person. Matter of fact, I just got out of prison this morning for car theft. And she gave him this huge hug and said, oh, praise the Lord, he sent a professional. Um, <laughs> sometimes, sometimes God responds just that quickly and just that decisively right when we play, pray. But oftentimes he doesn't come quite that way. His answers don't happen that way. But the point of the story is that God is eager to answer your prayers. You don't have to beg or borrow or gripe or complain or pester. He's saying, I'm not like that judge. I want to answer your prayers. But Jesus reminds us that our prayers of intercession, the please, when we say please to God, it also needs to know persistence because he's talking about persistence, which begs the question, why? Why do I have to be persistent? I don't know about you, but, but if I have to say please more than once at the dinner table, please, pastor, that means someone's not paying attention, which is really bad because there's only two of us at the table at this point, you know? <laughs> but is that what's happening with God? Is he not paying attention? Actually, there are good reasons. And so Jesus makes sure we catch these. So please and persistent praying. Make sure you get these. They're in the notes, so please, because you're going to need these. You're gonna, someone's going to ask you questions, but it helps me focus on God. Not to remind him, but to remind me. God wants me to remember in the persistence of my praying that he's the one who provides 
for all of my needs. He is the source. He alone is the source of my answers to prayer. In Philippians 4, Paul would write this to the early church, and my God will meet all of your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. God wants to make sure that we see him, right, as the source of our needs alone, that if we need something, we go to him. And when we pray about something over and over and over, who do we look to? We look to God. When we go to him asking, please, over and over, it isn't blackmail. What it's doing is beginning to focus our attention on who we need to be going to. I don't know if you've discovered that we like to look to everybody else to solve our problems, it seems, except God. I don't know if you've ever read The Family Circus. We used to read this when I was growing up. It's a story. And one of, it's, so the, in this cartoon, Billy, who's the oldest son, is holding a football that's flat. I think he was wearing a Tom Brady jersey at the time. And <laughs> Thank you. Uh, he said to his sister, Dolly, I need a new football. I don't know if I should send up a prayer, write a letter to Santa Claus, or just call Grandma. Um, we know what happens in our house for sure. Uh, but we look to our friends, we look to our family, we look to counselors, we look to the government. It seems like we get through all of that, and we go, well, I guess there's nothing else we can do. We'll have to pray. As if it's the last resort. Psalm 105 says this, go to the Lord for help and worship him continually. Sometimes God delays a response to force us to focus on him as the source. But sometimes I think he does that because pleas and persistent praying clarifies our request. He delays the request because it helps us clarify what it is that we're really asking of God. Being persistent in our prayers gives me the time to make sure I know what I mean when I talk to him. What is it I'm actually asking him for when I talk to him? And I've seen this in my own prayer journal. I've seen this progression in my prayer journal. Uh, As I initially prayed Ephesians 5.25 for myself, so every Monday I pray this verse for myself. I ask God to help me be the husband that Sandy deserved. Because, and if you know Sandy at all, she deserves a great husband. But then it changed as I began to think through it about what was going on, it changed to help me be the best husband that I can be. And then it changed again to help me be the husband that you want for Sandy. Because the prayer really doesn't have anything to do with me and Sandy. It has everything to do with who he is and what God wants and the type of man he is calling me to be. When we come to God with a request and do so over and over, it helps us to modify our prayer, to change it to clarify it until it becomes crystal clear. This is what God wants. Look at what he says in Jeremiah 29. God says this, You will seek me and find me when you seek for me with all of your heart. All of it. I just want to say nothing worthwhile is accomplished with half-hearted prayers. God wants all of our heart involved in this thing. But this is the big one. In my opinion, this next reason is the big one. Please and persistent praying prepares me for the answer. God would say this to his prophet Zechariah, I will test them as gold is tested, and then they will pray, and I will answer them. Jason Peters, uh, he was at one time the lion trainer for the Ringling Brothers Barnum & Bailey Circus. He was 32 years old at the time. He was giving some insights about lions, 
and he, he told the person who was interviewing him, you don't really tame lions, you can't really tame a lion. What you do is you train them. He said through daily repetition, he trains them to behave in certain and desired ways. And a, in a similar, not the same, but in a similar way, God is not looking to tame us. He's not looking for us to be docile and passive, but he's training us so that his power can be channeled for the greater cause through us for his kingdom here on earth. And by the way, that daily training in our life may be about worship. It may be prayer or confession or forgiveness or grace or compassion or, or, or uh, patience. It just keeps going because he's training us to become like Jesus. These are changes God wants to make in me. Maybe you've heard this prayer. Have you ever seen this on a bumper sticker? Prayer changes things. And I, I agree with that. Prayer does change things. But really what prayer changes is me. Because while God, I'm not really sure he's, he's concerned about our circumstances. He's more concerned with us and how we respond in those circumstances. And maybe he wants to make some changes in your life. And that's why there's this delay. Sometimes for answered prayer, it's not a matter of us waiting for God. It's a matter of him waiting for us. Prayer is not some tug of war where you're trying to convince God. Our struggle isn't with him. Our struggle sometimes is with ourselves. And sometimes, he, and here's why this is the big, the answer to our prayer. This is why this one's so big and so hard, I think. Sometimes the answer to our prayer is no. And I don't know about you, but I don't like being told no. And what makes that even more difficult is that our prayers may be this selfless asking that we're doing. We're saying please on somebody else's behalf. Or we're praying something that we believe, listen, we think this lines up right with what God's will is and what he wants for us or what he wants for someone else. Someone we love needs his healing power. If there is any chance at all in their life, God has to step in. And I remind you of two times in Scripture we see God saying no. The first is what Paul shares with the church in Corinth. He said, to keep me from becoming, he's talking about himself, to keep me from becoming conceited because of these surpassingly great revelations, there was given me a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest in me. And, you know, we don't know what the thorn in the flesh that Paul refers to. We don't know what that was exactly. At a minimum, it was something that distracted him, but more likely, it was painful. And God's response to him was, I have something more valuable for you than relief. And that has to be hard to hear when you're the one who's in pain. The other time we see God saying no is in the Gospels. It's in Luke chapter 22. Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane. It's the night before he'll be crucified. And he prays, Father, if you're willing to take this cup from me. And, and my guess is, if you listen to this prayer, you can hear the pleas in his voice. Because he prays it three times. Please. If there's, if there's any way, if there's anything, if there's any other way that this can 
please, Father. But note what he says, because this is where we need to get to as well. Yet not your will, yet not my will, but yours be done. It's saying, I trust that you love me and you want what's best for me and for the person I'm praying for. So if your answer to my pleas is no, may I trust you with that. You know how deeply I'm asking you for this. And I know you love them. If your answer is no, may I trust your no. That's why Jesus concludes the story this way. I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? And if you've read that story before, it probably didn't, you know, you probably just read over that. That's my guess. I've read over it before. But what a weird way to conclude his story. Right? I mean, but when the Son of Man comes, will he find, what? Why does he, why is he, ta he's talking about prayer. Why does he now bring up faith? Because prayer and faith go together, Right? So I want to make sure you catch this too. Please, and persistent praying with trust. If I pray and I'm persistent and I'm learning and I trust God, that will strengthen my faith. Why does he mention faith? The question goes back to who are you trusting with your life? Because the size of your prayers reveals the size of the God you believe in. Your pleas prayers with persistency demonstrate your faith because faith and prayer go together. Jesus admired this widow because she refused to give up. She was persistent and tenacious and determined. How quickly do you give up when the answer is not immediate? Do you lose heart? Do you want to give up? How many people would you talk to on the phone if you only let it ring once? What is it that's causing you to want to give up today? What is it that's going on in your life right now that's causing you to want to give up? Do you want to give up on your marriage? Do you want to give up on your job? Do you want to give up on yourself? Do you want to give up on your boyfriend or your girlfriend? What do you want to give up on? Do you want to give up on your parents? Do you want to give up on your dream? What is it? What is it that doesn't seem fair to you there's this song and I love the words to it I actually thought it was a poem I didn't even know it was a song it's in the notes I want to make sure you get that to take home too because you might need this when you don't understand when you can't see God's plan when you can't trace his hand trust his heart when you, when you can't figure out why God is doing what he's doing or not doing what he's not doing if you just can't see it trust him trust his heart that's why each week we come back to this concept through our time of communion and if you've been here long you know every week we stop because everything we talk about in scripture comes back to this moment for us this is the moment in our life and this, what we're asking God this week is, help me to trust you most 
with who or whatever it is that is most important to me. Help me to trust you with what is most important to me, just like you trusted me with who was most important to you when you sent him to the cross. Help me to trust you like you trust me. That's why we remember today. So I'm going to pray, and then we'll remember together. God, we are grateful for uh, this time where we get to come. And be reminded of the awful, horrible truth that sometimes we just don't know what you're up to. Or sometimes we see it and we think we understand, and we, and we don't. This thing that we've trusted you with, we've asked you for, and we know, we know it's in line with what the Bible says about who you are, and yet your response is not what we expect. It doesn't come when we think it should come, and sometimes it isn't even what we think it's going to be. And as with everything else about who you are, you call us to trust you anyway. And honestly, sometimes it just makes us mad. Or sometimes it just, it breaks our heart. Sometimes we mistakenly think you're not listening or, or we don't matter to you. Until we come back to this moment. And remember that you gave your son on our behalf. So of course you care about us. Of course you love us. And of course, you will give us the answer that you know is best. And so, Father, as we come back to this moment where you trusted us with who you love most, may we trust you with who we love most as well. And what is so important in our lives, maybe, maybe, what some of us might be on the verge of giving up on right now, God, help us to trust you, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.